Buying your first home could be massively confusing, and it's tough to feel like you're crushing it when someone says something and you have no clue what they're talking about. So today we're going to define terms that you need to know as a first-time home buyer. Today's letter, the letter F. What is up, my how to buy homies? Today is fun with words again, fun with real estate terms that begin with the letter F. So let's go. First up, ah, get it first, that's an F. First up, we're gonna start with the Fair Credit Reporting Act. This is a consumer protection law that imposes obligations to credit bureaus and other similar agencies that you know anyone who kind of maintains or has your credit histories. It also imposes these obligations on lenders and other businesses that buy the reports from the credit bureaus and parties who furnish consumer information to the credit bureaus. Now, great, those are all the people that it actually puts the obligations on, but what does it do? Well, this is for all you people who are freaked out about your credit and your privacy. If this is you and you wanna buy a home and you need to get a loan to get that, this protects you but I need to tell you something right now. There's gonna be a lot of, uh, you know, some harsh Uncle Dave today, so just get ready for it. If you're freaked out about your privacy, you don't want anyone to get all up in your biz when you're buying a house and you need to get a loan, get over it. Yeah, get over it. If you need a loan to buy a home and you're gonna freak out about all this privacy stuff, well, then you better sit back, take some volume, get a nice massage, play some of that plinky, plunky massage room music, and get used to people being all up in your business. This is the only way that you can get a big loan and there's just no way around it. You are protected by this FCRA. It limits the sale of your credit reports by the credit bureaus by requiring the purchaser to have a legitimate business need for the data. Lenders and credit bureaus, they all get in big trouble and we're talking big fines if they violate this law. So. You freakers out there, you can just chill. Your credit is going to get pulled and it is going to get used or you ain't getting a loan to buy a house. Now, this act allows consumers to learn the information on yourself that is in the credit bureaus, including once, I think it's every three months with the annual free credit report. And it specifies the procedures for challenging errors in that data that you find. Our next F word is Fair Housing Act. This is a law that prohibits discrimination in all facets of the home buying process. That means with the realtors, with the lenders, title, escrow, lawyers, everybody. It prohibits discrimination based on race, color, national origin, religion, sex, familial status, or disability. Now, some states have actually added on to this because that Fair Housing Act is a national law, but some of the things that are included but not limited to sexual orientation, gender, et cetera, et cetera. Our next F word is fair market value. How do you come to a fair market value? Well, it's the hypothetical price that a willing buyer and seller agree upon when they are acting freely, carefully, and with complete knowledge of the situation. <laughs> Now, that doesn't mean that they actually are in complete knowledge, but they still go through with it. It's also described as the price at which a property would be transferred between a willing buyer and a willing seller. 
each of whom has reasonable knowledge of all the pertinent facts and is not under any compulsion to buy or sell. So no compulsions. Leave all your compulsions at home. Next up is Fannie Mae. Now, these are some of my favorite F words because Fannie Mae, there's two of them. There are two little nicknames that the real estate industry has given for these fatty mortgage regulators in the United States. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Every time I hear that, I always think that's like a smash-up duet between some country artist and a, and a hip-hop artist. But Fannie Mae is our first one, and it is the Federal National Mortgage Association. It's the nation's largest mortgage investor. It's a public company that operates under a federal charter, and it's the largest source for financing home mortgages. Fannie Mae is not a federal agency itself. It is a government-sponsored enterprise under the conservatorship Ooh, easy for me to say, conservatorship of the Federal Housing Finance Agency. It's a private stockholder-owned company. However, the United States president does appoint some of the members of its board of directors. So it's really weird. People will say, FHA, it's government insured. You want to use government, it's government control. It's not, it's a private company, but it is does have government oversight and regulation. And depending on whoever's in office, you know, whatever party's controlling things, that might affect some of the guidelines with Fannie Mae and Fannie Mae's buddy, Freddie Mac. Fannie Mae doesn't lend the money to the consumers themselves. So you don't go out and go to the bank of Fannie Mae. But instead, what they do is they work to ensure that the mortgage funds are out there for you guys, that they're available and affordable. How they do that is they purchase mortgage loans from the other people who give the loans directly to to the consumers, to you, but they're only gonna purchase the ones that follow their guidelines. So they're like one of the largest people to go out and buy all the loans from the banks when they bundle them all together. So pretty much whatever guidelines they set up, those are the ones that most of the banks are gonna follow so they have someone to sell their loans to. Does that all make sense? Awesome. Which leads us to our next definition of Fannie Mae seller or servicer. Now that's a lender that Fannie Mae has approved because they follow all their guidelines to sell their loans and service loans on Fannie Mae's behalf. The next one is something you guys are gonna run into. It's very important for you, a very important F word. It's not what you're thinking. Filthy, filthy mind. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac loan limits. When you apply for a loan, you're gonna hear about conventional loan limits, sometimes called conforming loans. This is a number that is out there. It's decided by Fannie and Freddie and it changes as the market changes, it's also, different, you know, depending on where you're at in the country, but it's Fannie and Freddie. You know, now that I think about it, that actually kind of sounds like an old brother-sister vaudeville act. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Fannie and Freddie. Now, here's what it is. If you get a loan below the number that they set up, their loan limits, that means you're going to get the most favorable rates and terms. If you need a larger loan than the conforming loan limit, then you're going to be getting what they call a jumbo loan. Jumbo, supersized. And unlike that fatty combo meal that you get at the drive-thru, you usually do not get a deal. You don't get extra fries for just a few pennies more when you go to a jumbo loan. Usually it's a, it's a little bit of a higher rate. So that's why everybody wants to stay in those conforming loan limits. And because everyone involved in the real estate industry wants to make this entire process as totally confusing as possible, especially you first-time home buyers, the number on the conforming loan limit, it changes, like I said, all the time. It changes in the different areas of the country, and it's always this stupid, wacky, 
non-traditional uneven number that it just totally plucked right out of the sky. So the current 2022 Fannie Mae and Freddie loan limit for a single family home in the United States is, now what would you think? 550, 600, something normal like that? Nope, it's $647,200. Seriously guys, like what, what is that number about? So what you do then, if you wanna get the best rate and not get a jumbo loan, you have to stay below that number. And remember, that's your loan amount, not your purchase price. And if you stay below that for your loan amount, then you're going to be able to get the best price rates and terms. Of course, in more expensive areas of the country, like where I am here in California, it's higher. But once again, not a normal number. The conforming loan amount is $970,800. That's not how you say that. Let's try that again. $970,800. There you go. I'm a realtor. And what's weirder about that fact is the fact that it takes almost a million bucks in a loan amount before you're considered a jumbo loan, or the fact that they pick such a stupid, ridiculous, unorthodox number. So odd. Anyway, moving on. Next F is FHA. That's the Federal Housing Administration. The FHA is a term you're gonna hear a lot. Now the agency, it's a federal agency and it's in the Department of Housing and Urban Development, also known as HUD, but you guys heard about HUD already because HUD actually begins with the Department of Housing and Urban Development. So that was in the D episode. So what the FHA does is it provides mortgage insurance for residential mortgages and it sets the standards for the construction and the underwriting. The FHA themselves, they do not lend money. FHA was established back in 1934. So when everyone talks to me about the FHA and how it's a bad thing and blah, 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 remember, it was established in 1934. And if you don't understand your history, take a quick think back. What happened in the 30s? What was so terrible? Yeah, this was created by FDR. It was FDR, right? Someone check my facts. Google that. In 1934 to advance home ownership because we was in the middle of a Great Depression. So what they did was they tried to make it more affordable for people and give opportunities to everybody, assisting the home buyers by providing this extra little thing called mortgage insurance. Now that insurance was for the lenders. So the lenders were comfortable lending to people. And if something went wrong, it would cover most losses that occur when a borrower defaults. So what that means is this is a government program insuring and helping people so the private lenders feel comfortable making loans to borrowers who might not qualify for the stricter conventional mortgage guidelines. There, does all that make sense? Well, let me go into the next one. The next F word is an FHA insured loan. That's what the FHA is. Let's explain what the FHA insured loan is. It's a part of a group of loans that from the private lenders that are regulated and insured. Insured? That was a fun word, insured by the federal government. That means that instead of actually lending the money, what the FHA does is they work on the backside and they insure the banks and the private lenders that they're gonna cover any losses that are gonna incur or occur in the event that the borrower or the buyer can't repay the loan fully. So these loans were insured by the FHA, which we just learned about 30 seconds ago, and HUD, which is really the Department of HUD. They differ from conventional loans because they allow for credit scores and down payments both to be lower. Credit scores can be sometimes as low as 580 even, and your down payments can be as low as 3.5% of the total loan amount. The maximum loan amount vary county by county. 
loans below 20%, they actually are going to carry some sort of mortgage insurance. That's the PMI or MI. That's what we talked about. That's what they will do for you. And people, especially older people or anyone who listens to Dave Ramsey thinks that MI is the devil. Well, I'm here to tell you it's not. Mortgage insurance is an extra fee that you pay monthly. That's all it is. And I like to say, if you can use an FHA, 3.5% down payment loan, that means you can buy a home when you only have to save up 3.5%. And maybe you have the 3.5% in your bank account right now. But either way, even if you don't, you only have to save up 3.5%. And the MI or PMI, the mortgage insurance or private mortgage insurance fee, that is simply a charge for the privilege of being able to buy a home today with a low down payment instead of waiting until you save up the other 16.5%. So how's that work? Okay, on a $400,000 home, the difference is you buy today and all you need is $14,000 down, all right? And then you're gonna pay 50 to 100, you know, maybe in the worst of times, $150 a month in your mortgage insurance every month. Or for that same $400,000 house, instead of $14,000 down, if you wanna wait until you get 20% down, you've gotta save up. $80,000, an extra 66,000 bucks while you're still paying your rent. So which is more? The MI fee at 50, 100, 125, 150 bucks a month or all the rent that you're gonna throw away while you're paying that rent and trying to save $66,000. Plus, don't forget, you're gonna be getting equity in the home that you're gonna be losing if you don't jump in because if you're in an appreciating market, and if we're not an appreciating market, well, while you're saving up, you're gonna be paying that rent, but you could have been putting that rent into an asset that you'd be paying down. So that's what's happening. Now, if that wasn't enough to convince you, I've got some more thoughts for the FHA haters out there. And if you're new to the show, this is gonna be exciting new information for you, but some of you might've heard this before. Number one, don't let PMI scare you. Number two, Don't think people tell you, you can't do that. You don't have enough skin in the game. You're going to have a foreclosure. That's not correct. A lower down payment doesn't mean unsafe. It doesn't mean you can't afford it, so you shouldn't buy it. No, the game has changed and the rules are all different. Nobody can afford to pay high rents for several years while they're also trying to save up a huge 20% down payment on the price of a home that's gone way up. This is not your parents' rental market. This is not your parents' housing market. Rents are out of control, and you're going to be paying one way or another. It's a new, slanted economy. Things have changed. Instead of whining about the old days, you need to figure out how to be winning in the present days. The system's rigged, and you just have to find the best way to beat the game. And oftentimes, that low 3.5% down payment to help you lock in your payment for life is your way in, and you could become a homeowner any way possible. And this is a great way to help you get in there. And for all the haters and the cynics of the world war to think that low down payments are the devil and you're going to set yourself up for losing your home and foreclosure someday, here's some thoughts, but thoughts with math behind them. Have you ever missed a rent payment or ever been evicted? No? Then you're likely not going to be a person who's going to get your home foreclosed on. If you're worried you can't afford it, what if your housing payment was stabilized right now and never had a chance of going up? That's more affordable and actually safer than gambling in the world of rising rents. And another thing, a portion of each payment goes towards paying down your loan, and that's a long-term investment, and it's a forced savings plan. 
from a payment that you already make with your monthly rent payment every month. So for first-time buyers, 20% down is a huge chunk, and all the time it takes to save that is going to be wasted and expensive renting time. End of lecture, moving on. The FHA funding fee. Now, this is a little fee that's going to pop up when you do use an FHA loan. The FHA requires this funding fee. It's a monthly insurance premium, that MIP that I talked about for most of its single-family programs, but there is an upfront insurance premium, and that is sometimes called the UFMIP. So make sure you talk to your lender about that if you use an FHA loan. We've got the mortgage limits. That's what we talked about before, the FHA mortgage limits. They're based upon location. They can be revised every year. Okay, that's the end of all our FHA terms. Let's get into our more F words. Finance charge. A finance charge is the total amount of interest and loan charges that you would pay over the entire life of the mortgage of your loan. Now, the next one's something you guys might have heard before. I, I remember my parents talking about this a lot. A first mortgage. Now, I don't remember hearing first mortgage. I always remember people talking about a second mortgage or a second. So here's the way that works. A first mortgage is the primary lien against the property. And if you got like a home equity line of credit, also known as a HELOC, then that would be a second, taking out a second mortgage on your home. Got it? Cool. Okay, next up is a first-time home buyer. Seriously? <laughs> How many of you are freaking out right now? Like, I'm really going to define a first-time home buyer? Well, hang on. I actually have a reason for this because I know a lot of people think, well, first-time home buyer, that's me, right? But do you know you can be a first-time home buyer if you've owned a home in the past? It's kind of weird, stupid, right? You think they have another name for it? Well, you think they do a lot of things different in real estate, but they don't. A person with no ownership interest in principal residence during the last three years preceding the purchase of a new property is considered a first-time home buyer. So that means if you owned a home in the past, but you haven't owned one for three years, and then you buy again, you're a first-time buyer again. Yeah. So and there could be a lot of different reasons for that. You could have sold your home, or unfortunately, maybe you lost it. Well, maybe you did sell your home and you left, and you didn't buy another place because you were backpacking throughout the world trying to find yourself. Well, when you come back with those sweet dreadlocks and toe rings and stuff like that. If it's been three years, you'd be a first-time home buyer again. Next up are first-time home buyer loan programs. First-time home buyer loan programs, there are a whole bunch out there and you guys can use a lot of different ones to help you out. Like we talked about, FHA is a great one. VA is the bomb. If you're military or veteran, get all over that. USDA is one for more rural areas. And then Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are going to help out with low down payment programs, as we previously discussed. I like to say that the first-time buyer programs, they're just cheat codes for you guys to be able to buy a home in this wacky economic new world. Moving on to the Fs, we've got fixed period adjustable rate mortgage. Yeah. An adjustable rate mortgage we talked about in the A's, it's an arm. It offers you that fixed rate for three to 10 years. And sometimes you'll hear people call them a hybrid loan. And I hear they get really awesome gas mileage. Next up is a fixed rate mortgage. This is what you want. This is a mortgage with an interest rate that doesn't change during the entire term of the loan. So if you get a 30-year fixed loan, you're going to pay the same in your first month as you did 30 years from now. Imagine, okay, think about this. You're renting, let's say you've been renting for three years, five years, maybe you've been renting for 10 years right now. Imagine paying today in rent what you paid for your very first apartment. 
Now imagine paying that same price 25 years from now or 20 years from now if you've been renting for 10 years. That's what happens when you have a 30-year fixed mortgage. That's why stretching for a higher payment now is a good idea because it stays fixed. And what doesn't stay fixed? Rents. They keep going up. Check out this stat. I just read the stat this morning. The Consumer Price Index, also known as the CPI, they've got an extended track record for rent, and it allows us to put in perspective the housing expenses when we're looking at the long term to see how they're going against the rents. So yeah, prices are going up right now, but here's what's happening. Because consider that in the first four months of 2022, nationwide rents inflation, one-year jump, it's the largest since 1948. So while houses have gone up in these past four months like crazy, this is the largest rental increase we've seen since 1948. Consumers are paying 4.3% more for rent than they were just 12 months ago. That's 2.07% higher than last year's rent hike at 2.23. So when it comes down to it, I will take the fixed mortgage. Thank you very much. Next up is flood insurance. This is something that a lot of people ask me about and it's different everywhere you go. If uh, your home is located in a floodplain, the lender's going to require that flood insurance is a condition of the loan approval. Did you hear that? You can't get a loan without flood insurance if you're in a floodplain. Now, this is different everywhere. And yet another reason why online national lenders are just not my favorite. Your local realtor and lender, they're going to know all the ins and outs of this because they do it every day. An experienced team that will have done it for not only every day, but for more than just a few days. You know what I'm saying? You understand what I'm talking about? GG, see what I'm laying down there? Are you reading between the lines? Okay, let me spell it out for you. Real estate is whack, and any Yahoo can get their license. Yep, and it's up to you. Do you want your realtor to be someone new and exciting and super fun and have really awesome TikTok posts, but have no idea the laws of the land where you are and no clue what's going on flood insurance? Well, maybe I'd look for someone with a little more experience. That's just me. Next definition, F for floor. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, I know what you're thinking. This has to be for something kind of different. I'm basic. I am not that basic where I'm going to explain floor to you. Uh, it's the minimum interest rate if you get one of those adjustable rate mortgages. This is adjusting up and down with the rates throughout the time that you're in the adjustable period. And just like when your boss says that you have a ceiling, then your rates have a floor. Does a little burn on you. Hope you're cool with that. Those rates have certain maximums that can only go up usually like two points a year. But not only do they have a maximum up top to protect you so they don't go too high, they also have a bottom. So if the market bottoms out, you don't instantly get to drop all the way back down. And that's the luxury that you have to work through if you're going to be working with an adjustable rate mortgage. The next F word is one that nobody likes. It's foreclosure. Okay, so foreclosure. Here's the Google definition. A legal action that ends all ownership rights in a home when the home buyer fails to make the mortgage payments or is otherwise in default under the terms of the mortgage. So let me give you guys the simple everyday definition. A foreclosure is a legal proceeding that allows your creditor, your lender, to sell your house because they've got to pay off the unpaid mortgage. Your house can be foreclosed on if you don't make the required house payments. Now, here's the legal version of that. A legal process in which a mortgage property is sold to pay the loan of the defaulting borrower. 
In some states, the lender has to go to court to foreclose on your property. That's called a judicial foreclosure, which you cannot say without sounding like you're drinking. Judicial foreclosure. But in other states, they don't require a court process, so they are a non-judicial foreclosure. Now, if you happen to get in this mess, you're going to be notified. You're going to get certified mail and all that stuff. And there's a whole bunch of federal rules that apply in order for any foreclosure procedure to start. The next F word has to do with foreclosures, but it's called forbearance. Forbearance is a lender's act of not taking legal action despite the fact that your loan is delinquent or behind. It's usually granted when a borrower makes some sort of arrangement with the bank to pay the amount owed at some future date. It's when your lender or your mortgage servicer allows you to temporarily pay, maybe at a lower rate or maybe temporarily take a little break. And your servicer might grant a forbearance to you if you've suffered a job loss, if you've suffered from a disaster, or if, oh, I don't know, we're in a global pandemic. That happened last year. And they'll also do it for injury, illness, any kind of, you know, crazy increase to healthcare costs that you weren't ready. It's also, forbearance is also known as a form of loss mitigation, which is a word you might hear. And depending on the loan that you have, there could be many different forbearance options. You have to contact your loan servicer to request it. And remember, most of the time, unless they waive it, you're going to have to make up these payments at the end of the loan. That doesn't mean you have to pay everything back because if the house gets enough equity, you can just sell it and then you just get less of your profits. Make sense? Clear as mud? Nope. Welcome to real estate. Next up is Freddie Mac. That's Fannie and Freddie's second half of that duo. It's the Federal Home Loan Mortgage Corporation. Again, they're a private company formed by Congress. Their mission is to promote stability and affordability in the housing market by purchasing the mortgage from the banks and other loan makers. Now, as I said, with Fannie Mae, this corporation is currently under conservatorship, so we all know that's a great thing, right? Yeah, yeah, this is a hot-button topic. But, again, it's a government regulated with the United States president putting people on the board, so half the country's going to love it and half the country's going to hate it. And a conservatorship, some people love it and some people hate it. Bottom line is, these agencies both support the secondary market in mortgages on residential properties with mortgage purchase and security programs. So it's very helpful for you because it creates some guidelines for you. But no matter when you Google it, you're going to see some people that hate the guidelines and some people that love the guidelines. That's the way it goes. Next up is the front end debt to income ratio. Now, debt to income ratio is a term that you're going to hear and you're going to have to learn about. But there are two different ones, a front end and a back end. So this is the front end debt to income ratio. It's something that you're going to get real familiar with. It compares your monthly debt payments to your monthly income. And as you know, it's widely used for your credit worthiness. My favorite word. That's a thing. Credit worthiness. How do you compute your debt to income ratio? It's by dividing your monthly minimum debt payments. Again, not your gross, your monthly minimum, including your rent or your mortgage by your monthly take-home pay. Now, this brings up a huge point that I want to point out, especially for all you seriously anal people out there. You know who you are, captain or princess spreadsheet. If you're the kind of person that won't go out to dinner until you've read at least 250 Yelp reviews, and before you go, you look at the entire menu and you figure out each place, what you would get. You punch in the prices to a calculator so that before you even walk out the door, you know what you're going to consume and exactly how much it's going to cost. 
Well, if that sounds like you, you've got two options moving forward when you're buying a house. Number one, you cannot do it and buy a van and live in that. Or number two, you could change your entire personality. See, because when buying a home, that type of buying does not exist. No one can ever give you an exact estimate. And if everything changes all the time during the transaction, and that's going to freak you out, then either get ready for it or have your partner do the whole transaction. Everything's going to change all the time, all the time. And this is a great example when I was talking about debt to income ratio. Now, let me repeat something I said and see if you can hear the part that's going to change. You compute your debt to income ratio by dividing your monthly minimum debt payments, not your gross, including your rent or your mortgage by your monthly take-home pay. What variable in that sentence will change your DTI with each individual home that you're looking at? There was a variable in there that's going to change every time. What was it? Anybody know? Your potential new mortgage payment. No matter how many finance apps you've downloaded, no matter how many mortgage calculator sites you have bookmarked on your laptop, you cannot calculate that payment properly on your own because the rates change daily. So your calculations from a month ago, they're worthless. But you know what else are worthless? Your calculations from yesterday. And with each individual home that you go for, the price is going to change. And that's going to change the payment. And that will then change everything in your equation. And let's say you decide on a price and you get under contract. Well, then that's going to change within the contract because there's going to be negotiations. Even after you're under contract, if there's any credits or other negotiated things that happen while you're under contract. So you won't know exactly and you can't know exactly what that full DTI ratio is going to be, just like you can't know exactly what your payment's going to be. And if you don't like that, then you have to buy all cash. That's the way it goes. Deal with it. Who's butt hurt right now? Who thinks I'm telling you this? Because I just want to capture your business and dazzle you with all these fancy words and terms and then slap you at the end with some kind of crazy extra fees. Who thinks that this old dude drink doesn't know that you have the entire world in your pocket and you've been researching every purchase and decision online that you've ever made since you were 12 years old and you always look up everything and you can always find out and make sure you get a good deal and you don't get the wool pulled over your eyes. Rad! That's awesome for you. You're super bitching. But I'm telling you this with love. This is totally different, gang, which is why you have to trust your professional team. There are variables that change daily and you're never, ever going to have a spreadsheet that can keep up with the changes, in the interest rates or the price you pay or the negotiated changes once you're under contract. Yes, after a price has been decided. So I'm saying this with love and a smile on my face. There is never, ever an exact number in a home purchase deal. Deal with it. There, now that you're in the right headspace, I'll give you two more. Closing dates are fluid, always. And you're always going to have to compromise when you buy a home. That's your three big lessons. Accept those three things and you can buy a home and build wealth for you and your family without pulling your hair out or upping your doses of antidepressants. Next up are FISBOs. That's F-S-B-O, for sale by owners. That's one that's sold without the assistance of a real estate agent or a broker. The seller's attempting to save money by avoiding the agent and broker fees. Lots of people think this is a great way to get a deal. I think it's a great way to get a lawsuit. So I go into detail on that in episode 63 if you want more. 
The next one is the fully amortized mortgage. The fancy definition of a fully amortized mortgage is a mortgage in which the monthly payments are designed to retire the obligation at the end of the mortgage term. Retire. <laughs> I love legal mumbo jumbo. It means you pay off the obligation to the principal and the interest with the payment schedule that they create. And that gives you your monthly payment. Once again, just to reiterate, if you're new to the podcast, a $400,000 loan with 5% as the down payment at today's mortgage interest rate of 5.27% amortized over 30 years, that $400,000 loan, if you pay the minimum payment every month, 30 years, it's going to cost you $757,153 over 30 years. Holy hell, I thought the letter definition episodes would be a lot shorter. Well, you know what? I'm glad I'm doing them because they're going to live on as a reference for all your friends and your family to use in the future when their rents are going up and up and up and out of control and you invite them over to your house, which you now own and they're super jealous of you. Yeah, I understand. They come over to your house and they're all looking fly because their fit is dope and you're sitting there in last year's wardrobe, but you're hanging in a home that's going to make you financially fit for life. See what I did there? I made the cringiest wordplay ever using the word fit. So if you want to help out your friends and family, look for the hamburger or the three dots on your phone or the box with the arrow and text this. Share it. Share, share, share. Share the podcast to everybody. And if you're getting a lot out of this podcast because I'm just trying to throw you as much information as I can for free because you deserve it, then please leave a review. And the stars are great, but the words mean more. It'll help others find the podcast. Write a quick review. Looking for more information or you got questions, I'm at David Sedoni on Instagram. I'm at How to Buy a Home on Tickety Tockety. And don't forget to check us out on YouTube, the How to Buy a Home podcast, where we've got new episodes coming up all the time. And of course, if you have any questions, go directly to howtobuyahome.com for details. And that's where you can ask me anything. There's a little button that says, Ask David. Come find me. That's it. And look, if I can get through the entire F episode, got all the way around all the words with the letter F, and I didn't once say then you can buy a home. You can do this.